just pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears are open, Lord, and, and just um, let, us your, let your presence be known today, Lord. Let's just let us feel your spirit, Lord, move today. Lord, just thank you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So we are in the middle of a series that we're doing called A Mother's Love. And if, guys, like I told you, I'd continue to warn you, next week is Mother's Day. So seven days, that's all you got. You better get on it. So what we're doing is we're talking about just looking at different moms in the Bible. Just not looking at all of them because there's far too many, but just ones that have played a role in history and just hopefully learn something about God, learn a characteristic about God in the process. Trying to honor moms as best we can and just use them as examples of, of how we can walk with God better. And today, I want to start today with showing you some pictures of uh, how God can maybe use us in our household. So let's look at this first picture here. Oh my, is right. Oh my. This was sent to me a couple weeks ago, and I actually told the mom, I said, this is a friend of mine, and she used to work for us, and, and, I, and I said, you do know I am using this in a sermon, and she's, so I have her permission. So now I'd like to introduce you to the artist. <laughs> you had the same reaction I had. Like, dads, like, if I, for dads, like, if you were me, like, I was literally, I almost fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard when I saw those pictures, when they came through. And as a dad, like, I'm thinking that's probably what we do. Like, there's no way. Like, you know you got to discipline your child, but, like, you could not help from laughing. Like, you're, you're just, how are you going to keep a straight face with your, with your daughter? But moms, moms, what would your reaction be? I think there would be a little flicker of anger in there. I think they'd be horrified of like, look at my precious little baby. And that person that, that sent me this picture, her reaction was too, she, her caption, she said, she goes, well, I guess I'm the worst mom in the whole wide world. <laughs> so I think that we'd have those, those reactions. And I just want to make, make this known that this was washable markers. So the baby washed up, he's, he's as good as new. He's, he, he's fine. The artist, however... When asked, well, why do you think you would do that? No idea. She didn't know why. Maybe she's practicing. She's going to be a famous makeup artist at some point <laughs> in her life, but I don't know. So I think eventually, though, a reaction that a mom would have would maybe be, some, would be patience. Because you're going to have to be patient with your child when something like that happens. And I, don't, I, I just do. I think moms would be patient eventually in that circumstance, maybe not right away. Because they would. They'd have that a moment, missional moment of terror, like going, is this ever going to come off? Is my child going to be permanently stained like this? Is this permanent marker? But once that initial shock wore off, I think the patience would come. A kind of patience that I think really only a mother's love could demonstrate. So today we're going to look at a story of Lee and Rachel. You may not think of this as something as patience. But we read about this it really actually where we left off in Genesis last week when Jacob was leaving to go find a wife. When, when he was given a blessing by, Jacob, by his dad, another blessing. And so I actually want to read that blessing to you so you can just be familiar in your, in your mind. of Because it, it does play a part in, in what we're going to talk about today. So this is in Genesis 28, 2-4. Just listen to the words. It says, this is Isaac's words to Jacob. It says, go at once to Paddan Aram, 
to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. So just kind of remember those words of, of becoming a, a community. Just, just remember, that's what we, we're going to see here today. So Jacob arrives at Padam Aram. He inquires about his uncle Laban. He goes, do you know my uncle? And he, he says, yes. In fact, there's his daughter. So he sees Rachel coming. So Rachel's coming to water, water the flock because she's a shepherd. And so she's coming to water that. And, and Jacob sees her and he goes to her and he, he immediately falls in love with her. Now I know that's, that's odd because we don't marry our cousins in our culture. But in that culture, they did. So it gets weirder. So he goes to her, he talks to her, and then he kisses her. He starts kissing Rachel, and he begins to weep. Again, something we don't do in our culture. In fact, that might get you arrested in our culture, so I don't recommend that. But he goes home now with Rachel, and he talks to Laban. Laban and, and Jacob have this tender moment with each other, and Jacob begins to work for Laban. After a month goes by, Laban says, this isn't right for you to work for me for free. Like, we've got to figure something out here. So remember, Jacob's in love with Rachel, so he goes, I, I got an idea. He goes, you're right. How about I work seven years for you, and at the end of the seven years, you give me Rachel to marry. Laban thinks that's a great idea. He agrees to it, goes to work for him. But there's something here, there's a problem here, because Rachel's got an, an older sister, older sister named Leah. It's not proper in that culture for the younger sister to marry before the older sister. And it tells us in the text that Leah has, has weak eyes. So when I read that, I go, it probably means Rachel got all the looks and maybe Leah got all the brains. We don't know that, but I think that's what it means. So the wedding night comes. Seven years pass. Wedding night comes. Laban tricks Jacob. So he delivers Leah to Jacob's tent and then in the morning, Jacob realizes that this isn't Rachel. This is Leah. So Jacob goes to Laban, goes to him in the morning. And he wants to know, why did you deceive me? Why did you do that? So he, Laban uses the, the culture excuse of the older needs to get married before the younger. So they have some interaction, I'm sure. And Jacob and Laban, they agree to more, to more terms. They said, okay. Laban says, finish the wedding week out with Leah, which was customary. And then after that, I'll give you Rachel as your wife. But you've got to work for me for seven more years. They agree to this, which just brings us to the word, I think, of patience. Because I'm assuming Rachel also wanted to marry Jacob. And so she's already waited seven years for this to happen. And then when it was supposed to happen, it didn't happen. And now she's got to share her husband with her older sister. And then there's seven more years of time here. So this word patience. Now if you look up the word patience in just a normal dictionary, it, the definition is it's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Might be a little difficult between sisters. 
Now, the biblical terms, there are some words here, too. It says that patience, you have this idea of patience is to have a capacity to bear pain or trials without complaint, to have the ability to endure under seer, severe provocation and to have self-control, which keeps one from acting rashly, even though you may be suffering opposition and adversity. You have a calmness of spirit. We're going to see that Rachel didn't exactly have that definition as we talk about today. To this point, we don't get an indication, though, that Rachel hasn't been anything but but patient, but that changes pretty quickly. We're told that Jacob made love to Rachel, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. We see this in verse 30. But then in verse 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to be conceived. But Rachel remained childless. Adversity starts to set in. We start to see this patience kind of go away. So Leah has four sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Now we really see this is Rachel's response in Genesis 30 verse 1. She said, Rachel says, When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. I think patience just wore off on, for Rachel. Now I, I, I can understand that, can't you? Like she's waited seven years to be married to her husband. And then she sees her older sister, the one be- to bear children, who has four children. So maybe you could go four more years. So now we're 11 years out. She still has no children. And she sees her sister having children. So patience, she's starting to lose patience, I think. So Rachel comes up with this great idea, which I don't, this again, cultural thing, says I'll give you, gives Jacob, her servant, Bilhah, to be a wife. Well, Bilhah has two, two sons, Dan and Naphtali. So Rachel thinks, okay, I've won this struggle now with my sister. I, I have some children. And it's not really her children, but she thinks it's her, her children. But she thinks there's this competition, the struggle of having sons with her own sons. And she has none. So Leah, real, Leah realizes this, because I said she's the one with all the brains. So she realized she stopped having children. And she gives her servant Zilpah to Jacob as a wife. Well, Zilpah has two sons, Gad and Asher. And this is a, so this victory that Rachel thought she had, it was, it was kind of short-lived. So we see another example of Rachel losing her patience. Reuben, who is Leah's son, goes out and finds these mandrakes, which mandrakes are something we don't eat and in fact, they say in Western culture that we find them, the smell of them is kind of repulsive. We don't like it. But in the Eastern culture, or that culture, they actually like it. And they actually see it as an aphrodisiac or in a cure for infertility. Well, Rachel wants some of these mandrakes. Well, Reuben brought them for Leah. So she asks Leah, she goes, can I have some of your, your mandrakes? So Leah goes, you've already taken my husband who loves you and why should I give you my son's mandrakes or my mandrakes? And so they come to terms because Leah says, okay, well, let me have Jacob for the night. And then I'll give you some mandrakes, which is, still strikes me as odd. If Rachel can't have children and in that culture they see them as infertility drugs, then why would she agree to those terms? But she does. So Rachel accepts this, has the mandrakes, 
And then Leah has two more children after this. Not from that night, but after this. She has two more, two more sons, Issachar and Zebulon. So what we have now is there is ten sons born by other mothers except for Rachel. Rachel has zero. So what does all this have to really do with patience? I think it's because I think Rachel maybe has lost her patience. I think maybe she's starting to lose it. She isn't dis- displaying those, that definition that I gave. But patience is really, think of us, patience not, isn't something that's easy to have, is it? It's hard to have patience. In fact, it's really easy to lose your patience, isn't it? A few weeks ago, we were coming back from North Dakota, and uh, we're, we're right at Johnson Lane, so out there by Lockwood, where we pass there, there's a car coming on the interstate, so I swerve over, and, and there's another car here in front of us, and like literally, I have to slam on the brakes, and I'm honking on my horn, because this guy just pulls out right, like I would have, he would have hit me, so I've lost my patience at this point, and then if you know, there's a construction right there, so we hit the construction, the guy's like two cars in front of me. And then the whole way into town in my house, he's two cars in front of me. So I'm like, dude, like, way to save a bunch of time. But here's a great display of both of us just losing our patience. But I think patience, patience, now this is, seems obvious, but patience is something that takes time. So patience takes time. It's obvious, right? That's, 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 we should know that. By the definition, it says, Patience is something that we're able to endure something. We're able to endure something over time. But we don't like to wait, do we? That's something we know we're not good, very good at. Don't do it tonight, but tomorrow night. I, I just go this, and you'll see this. This is an observation of patience that you'll see by all of us. Go to the grocery store tomorrow night about 5 or 5.30. You'll see some patience. Go to the checkout stand, just watch. You'll see people going, okay, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You've got 16 items. You can't be in that 15-item line. And then there'll be these long lines that people are always, they're like going like this, trying to find the line that's shorter. And then they get in the line, and then they go oh, that. So they go over here. And then, you know, check out, they, the checkers, they always pay attention. They say, okay, I, I can help you over here. So what do we do? It's like the start of a NASCAR race. They just all race over there, and there is old ladies sitting there. They just run right over, and they don't care. Because we're not a patient society. But to be patient means I'm going to have to wait and I'm going to have to endure whatever it is I'm supposed to be patient about. And how can I be patient? How can I learn patient if I have this immediate, everything is just immediately provided for me? By the definition, that's, that's impossible. A friend of mine, we were talking just the other night about... Uh, about it, her, about the kids, about how we raise our kids. And we're talking about how when the kids are raising our kids, like we, we have them, give them chores. But we just don't say, okay, here's your 20 bucks for, to go mow the lawn. We say, no, like you've got to mow the lawn first, then you get paid. Because if we give them the money right away, they just expect immediately just to, to then become, get immediate satisfaction, to receive this what they want before they actually have to do anything or be patient for something. But if you wait to pay them, then we've actually both learned patience because we learn patience by you as the parent, patient for them to actually finally do the, whatever they're asked to do. 
But then they learn patience to get the reward they want until they finish the job. But moms, like moms, it takes patience to raise a child, doesn't it? Like it, it takes a lot of patience. You don't just give birth to a child and then overnight this, this child is an adult. But imagine if God never made us wait for anything. Never, we, how would we develop patience? How would that develop in us? Listen to Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This harvest that we're talking about, it takes time. It takes patience. Patience that we have for each other. Patience that's actually part of the definition of love. It's another part of patience. Patience demonstrates love. 1 Corinthians 13.4, this is where we see this definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Anybody that works with in the public, anybody that works with the public, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the point of view that we come from the point of view of saying we're supposed to love one another. But if you worked with the public and you've served somebody, like you know that it's hard to do that sometimes, isn't it? Even that grocery store, when you run over the old lady and you observe it, like it's hard to still love that person. And actually, I think if we have re- any relationship with anybody, it's hard to love someone sometimes if you're not patient. Leah and Rachel, like I said, they're sisters. They're married to the same person. One of them is loved more by, than the other by Jacob. Rachel is loved more. One's already given Jacob six children. The one that has loved, was loved more, no sons. Setting up to lose some patience and not have patience maybe with each other. They're having to share a husband, share a household. We're, we're seeing Rachel's even making this kind of a competition. One trying to outdo the other. One imagining a, a situation where, where patience probably isn't going to come easy. Yet maybe by them losing their patience or us losing our patience, God's still patient with us and demonstrates patience to us. This brings the next point of God's patience. Imagine putting yourself in God's shoes. Imagine if you're God for the day. And you want to be patient with, with us. Maybe not all of you, but certainly me. Being patient with me all day long. The messes I make, the things I think, the attitudes I have, me losing my patience. Imagine what, imagine what God, the patience God has to have. You might ask, well, why is God patient with us? Well, there's an answer for that. Actually, the Bible gives us an answer for that. You see that in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That, that's why. God doesn't want anyone to perish. If he wasn't patient, well, there'd be, a lot of, there'd be a lot of perishing going on, so to speak. 
God wants to give everyone this opportunity. Everyone this opportunity to put their faith in Jesus. Being patient with us. Patient even when we lose our patience. Patience that Paul describes this, this scene in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 60. Now something you need to know about Paul is, if you don't remember, Paul, this is Paul before, we're going to read when Paul has had an encounter with Jesus, but if you remember Paul before he had an encounter with Jesus, before he knew Jesus, he went around persecuting those that had put their faith in Jesus. In fact, Paul, he had lost his patience with these so-called Christians. He didn't want anything. He wanted to eliminate them from the face of the earth. But these are the words we see in, in 1 Timothy 1, 15-16. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. The kind of patience that Jesus showed me, showed many of you in this room. Patience with us as we lost our patience. Patience with us to turn from our losing our patience, turning from that sinful life to receive this new life of putting our faith in Jesus that Jesus gave us. Patient with us as we lost our patience with each other. Lost our patience even on waiting on God. We lost our patience like this is, I can't, maybe like Rachel, just lost her patience with God of wanting children. And we decided to take matters into our own hands. For some of you, you don't know this story, but for some of you, when, before I took over for Stan last year, I knew Allie was leaving. I knew Linda was leaving. I knew Jim was leaving. I knew everybody was leaving, except for maybe Bennett. Bennett was the only one. So I could choose to be impatient and just figure it out, or I could choose to be patient. Now, no offense, Tim, but we could have Tim up here with this magic tambourine doing this. He'll do the dance for you later, but it is this horrific dance. Leading worship, it is horrific. You can see it for yourself afterwards. But instead, I decided to wait. Decided to be patient. Wait for God. And Alex came along. I was patient. We found someone else. And then I'm like going, okay, how am I going to answer the phone, take messages, return all these messages, do something simple like even go get the mail when I don't even have a key to go get the mail. And then all of a sudden, Teresa comes along to say, hey, I raised her hand to help. So God brought... He actually got even brought an accountant forward to replace Linda. And it all was just me being patient. God had it under control. I just needed to let God do his thing. And I had a really hard time doing that because I'm not a patient person. But there's that saying, you guys know that. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Like patience isn't easy, is it? I'm sure it wasn't easy for Leah and Rachel. Leah, knowing she's not loved, knowing she's unloved, and I bet she struggled waiting, being patient to hopefully receive that love that never came. Never came, even after she gave Jacob six sons. Rachel, 
waiting patiently, well, kind of waiting patiently for a son that to this point still has not come. Because patience takes time. In order for that patience to come, like we have to endure something. Think of seeds planted in the ground. Deb, you planted seeds a few months ago or a few weeks ago or I don't know how long, but it was quite a while ago. You planted seeds. Those things are like little tiny seeds like this big right now. They're growing. about. They're not very big. It takes months to produce a crop from those little seeds. It takes a long time. Demonstrating us we need to be patient. We need to be patient. Let things grow. Because we don't just plant a seed and the next morning come there and start eating fruits and vegetables. That doesn't happen. James, James 5 Seven through eight, we see these words. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient. Rachel's lack of patience, or lack of patience, or, 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 or her lack of patience, or, or maybe... God's patience with Rachel. She finally had a child. This is the account of her having a child. It says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, May the Lord add to me another son. Which later God did. She had another son. She gave birth to Benjamin. We also read that she died giving birth to Benjamin. But she did have twelve son, or two sons. Now if you haven't noticed, there's twelve sons born. These twelve sons are the twelve tribes of Israel. We're going to spend a lot of time on this, but remember when I started out today, I told you to remember that about a community of people. This is where we start to see Jacob being fruitful and increase his numbers until he becomes a community of people. For Jacob's descendants to receive this blessing of Abraham. And through Jacob, we're starting to see this happen. Patiently happening. Hebrews 6.15 tells us, it says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. He didn't, Abraham didn't see it. But what we see is that patience lasts longer than our lifetime. The Israelites, this 12 tribes, they didn't enter and occupy this promised land, this promise that was given to Abraham. They didn't receive this till hundreds of years later. Maybe what we should really say, be said is that God's patience endures well past our lifetime. It is us that needs to learn to be patient, trusting and knowing that God is patient with us. God wanting none of us to perish. I'm going to ask you two questions. I've got two questions for you today. First, what is God being patient with you about? Maybe for some of us, he's just being patient for us to return to him. Maybe we've never been, never have returned to him. Maybe we've, we've left and, and lost our patience and said, I'm done with you, God. Maybe he's just waiting for one of the lost sheep to return, to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's a sin in your life. Something that only you and him know about. Or maybe it's even something that everybody else knows about, but you're oblivious to it. Maybe it's a relationship you're in. You know that's not a good relationship for you to be in. And God's 
being patient with you. It's not what God wants. Maybe it's a grudge you're holding on to. Some unforgiveness. Something that you just can't let go, that you're holding on to, that God's waiting patiently for you to let that go. Maybe it's, well, you just fill in the blank. What is God waiting patiently for you about? Now, what is, next question is, what is God asking you to be patient about? Maybe you've been waiting on for a long time. Maybe you've been, and you're just tired. You're, you're ready to give up. Do it yourself. Abandon God. Is God asking you to just be patient and just trust Him? He'll, he'll see you through this. Maybe God is asking you to be patient with a family member. Maybe like Leah and Rachel. God's asking them to be patient with each other. Patient in a relationship with someone. Patient, again, you fill in the blank. Now, this story of Leah and Rachel, it's not one you really read and you go, oh, there's a great display of patience. From the text, I sense, though, that the sisters probably lost their patience more than they had patience. However, by them losing their patience, God is still showing and demonstrating patience with them. We, in this world that we live in, could use some patience. Patience waiting for me maybe just to get done, which I'm almost done. Now, my friend was a makeup artist. I'm sure she needed some patience in that moment. But think about this for a moment. If we're to love one another... We're to go make disciples. Would we have be more successful being patient as God is patient with us? Or would we be more effective if we always lost our patience with people? I bet the answer is if we keep our patience. But don't underestimate the ability of God. He's patient with us. In the case of Leah and Rachel, he was patient with them. And even in spite of them losing their patience, I think... His work was still being done. As we've seen, what I told you with the 12 sons of of Israel becoming these 12 tribes of Israel. And God still has some work to do. Some of us, like I said, being patient, waiting for us to turn back to Him, to put our faith in Jesus. Some being patient with us to well learn patience, learn how to love, learn how to love God more, learn how to love God more than we love our own impatience. Wanting everything now. Learn to put our faith and trust in God and wait for God's timing, which is usually later than my timing. Helping us learn patience. Because trust me, God knows what He's doing. He does. Trust Him. I got one last thought for you. Now, I'm not promoting this and I'm not wanting any of us really to necessarily become scotch makers. But there's an interesting process with scotch. You, got it. you have to be patient when you make scotch or even any kind of bourbon or any kind of aged anything. So when scotch is distilled, when it comes out of a distillery, it's a clear liquid. But when it's, and then it's put in a barrel. So it's put in a barrel and it's aged in this oak barrel. Now this liquid over time is then when it becomes scotch. And it sits in these barrels for decades, like a long, long time. And when it comes out, it's no longer clear and doesn't taste like rubbing alcohol anymore. It's got a lot of different flavors to it. Picks up flavors from that barrel. 
Now, I, I Googled something just to see what, how, how, what's the most expensive bottle of scotch. Most expensive one I could come up with was 65 years old and $167,000. I am pretty sure the original person that put that scotch in that barrel is no longer living. Demonstrating patience, demonstrating patience that lasts beyond our lifetime, and a big reward. Now, I'm sure this guy, when he put this in the barrel, had no idea that it was going to be worth $167,000 for a bottle. And that's the kind of patience that God has with us. The kind that he thinks, I think he wants for us to have. A patient that lasts beyond our lifetime. A patient that lasts many lifetimes with the goal that no one will perish. Everyone will have their relationship restored with God by putting their faith in Jesus. A, a large reward. Probably the most valuable reward for lost sheep coming home. Now, the, we can be patient like a farmer waiting for his crops or even this scotch maker, trusting that in time a harvest will be reaped. A harvest whereby being patient with others. Jesus is patient with us. The harvest is one of eternal life forever in the presence of God. Let's pray. Lord, I just am in awe of how patient you are with us how patient you've been with me, how patient you've been with many of us in this room. Lord, we just need patience. Lord, we need patience just in our daily lives, Lord, and it is. It's, it's not easy. It's something that we can lose just in a flicker, just in a flash. But yet, patience is, is part of the definition of love. And we're to love one another. So Lord, I just pray that we can use this maybe story that's maybe a story of, of lack of patience, but a story of how your work is still done even despite of our impatience. So Lord, I, I just pray that you just put us, your spirit just fills this room right now and that patience just is, is just overflowing inside of us. In fact, patience is one of the fruits of the spirit. So I just pray for that fruit to just start manifesting and growing in our lives. And I also just want to pray, I want to give someone an opportunity that maybe today there's something that was said or you feel God or Jesus tugging on your heart and, and you realize, you know what, God, you've been really patient with me. You've been so patient with me and I want to be that sheep that returns. I want to be that, that sheep that comes home. I want to come home to you. Then I want to put my faith in Jesus.